The Blunt Post with Vic. Good morning, happy Monday, and welcome to The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post. The Blunt Post with Vic is a program that covers national, regional, and local headline news, offers analysis and commentary, and I interview members of Congress, local elected officials, and other high-profile public figures. So Rick and I are going to talk about some uh, recent news and current events and such. Uh, coming up after... Uh, is my interview with uh, Assembly Member Chris Holden, so stay tuned for that. Ricky, how are you this morning? I'm good, Vic. Good morning. How are you, man? I am well, just uh, amused by some of the news and, and things that are happening. Got lots to cover. You know, I just can't, I can't sort of stop being fascinated by George Santos and the fact that uh, he's so uh, self-righteous and um, determined to just keep going despite having been completely exposed for the fraud that he is on, on so many levels. Uh, and now even more Republican colleagues of his are calling for his resignation. Uh, there's a new uh, revelation about uh, a Ponzi scheme for that he was a sort of, uh, he worked for essentially, of course he denies it, um, but it's well-documented. And yet he is now essentially in or officially in Congress, I should say, uh, and keeps on going. Yeah, it's odd. The, the last month, people have been calling him a fraud. And then news comes out that he was working in the capacity of fraud at one point. So very, very ironic, coincidental, whatever you want to use. But this guy, uh, he's he's a disgrace, to be honest. He doesn't care. He He feels like he is owed something the fact he's just kind of ignoring everyone's pleas and just denying 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 he's denying this away it might work you know eventually we probably will just forget about all of this and he'll go on and do his thing but it's uh just a just a bizarre story man yeah i can't even compare him to anyone except for trump a little bit in terms of <laughs> In terms of just denying the obvious, you know, <laughs> but uh, it's just really fascinating that uh, he's so unapologetic uh, about uh, so many lies he's told. You know, of course, he did the uh, the very fake. I'm sorry. I just uh, embellished, you know, the word he used <laughs> embellished. Uh, it's just um, it's just really bizarre. Yeah. You, but you, you know what? Right? There's a different tone with trump trump is a reality tv star he's just kind of a character that deny 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 you know yeah we expect that that's that's donald trump the guy was on tv the guy he's trump but but this guy you know he's a uh opportunist he, i just don't think he gets the same pass as, as trump yeah regardless of how of how evil we might think trump is and the the weird things that he did you know that was expected george santos this is just a, a disgrace and he should really address this in a different manner than how he's been doing it yeah i'm, I'm uh, curious to see how this is gonna roll uh, but speaking of presidents uh let's talk about uh president biden and the documents that were found and what uh garland is doing right now yeah uh attorney general merrick garland 
last week on Thursday appointed a, a former federal prosecutor, I believe his name was Robert Herr. So there's a special counsel to investigate the discovery of classified government records at the private home and office of our dear President Joe Biden. This investigation is a uh, is authorized to investigate whether any person or entity violated the law in connection with this matter. Garland made a public statement and kind of laid all this out for everyone. For those of you who, who may not be aware who the former federal prosecutor is, he was a, a U.S. attorney for for the state of Maryland from 2018 to 2021, and he was actually nominated uh, for that post by uh, Donald Trump. That's interesting. Well, more will be revealed um, to see where where this goes, if there's substance to these allegations or uh, it's a much ado about nothing. Yeah, the White House isn't, uh, isn't really saying anything. And this has been going on for for quite a few weeks now. And now Biden's son is is kind of being thrown into the mix regarding this because Biden's son was living at the home that some of these documents were discovered in. And there's there's a lot of uh, talk around, will this incident uh, affect Biden moving forward? And you brought up uh, when we were speaking about his next uh, presidential run. If he runs. If I he mean, runs. If he runs, yeah. He's going to run, right? Well, we'll see. You know, even if he doesn't run, uh, you know, and if it's uh, Vice President Harris or another Democrat, either way, if this comes out to be something substantial, then it's going to hurt Democrats, period, regardless of who's trying to get into the White House or stay in the White House. Yeah, um, no doubt. Republicans are are dying for that to happen. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, the way the way Hillary's emails got pounced on. Yeah, exactly. And this could potentially be more than those, you know, more than emails. I mean, the emails were so insignificant. Uh, you know, this uh, there's a lot uh, that we need to just wait and see um, what this, you know, what this is going to look like. So, um, but let's go to the next topic. It's not, you know, political or anything, but it is sort of a unexpected, shocking, which is the death of uh, Lisa Marie Presley, uh, sort of unexpected, at the age of 54. Yeah, the reason I wanted to talk about it is I don't know if it's me or I'm I'm starting to see a lot of young people die. Like lately, it just seems like a lot of people are dying at a younger age. Of course, we, you know, we hear mostly about high profile people, celebrities and such. But uh, even they, a lot of them lately have been like young. So it's uh, it's uh, it's just sort of I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Is it stress? So many factors, you know, you can point to to health in terms of stress, uh, environmental. But fifty four years old, that's that's something's not right about that. Um, remember when everyone's uh, favorite uh, family television dad passed away, Bob Saget? I believe he was in yeah. his mid sixties, and that was just a shock. It's not right. I know she was the daughter of Elvis of Elvis Presley and and I believe her mother Priscilla Presley. So what do you remember about about her? Yeah, what do you um, remember about her was, like she became a celebrity in her own right. She had a music career. Um Okay. 
So, you know, she had um, she had albums out there. She performed and she was, of course, married to, uh, you know, she had high profile marriages to Michael Jackson and uh, Nicolas Cage. Um, you know, she's, uh, you know, she's definitely had her own spotlight. Uh, and of course, you know, being the only child of Elvis uh, is also very significant. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, she's always been sort of a part of our uh, larger pop culture orbit that we live in. You know, the famous the famous uh, kiss between her and Michael Jackson, I believe it was at the Grammys or the Video Music Awards, one of those. I think it was at the VMAs. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll never forget that. So, um, yeah, it's just always uh, weird when you hear someone that you don't expect someone who's young um, just sort of die and then the causes like cardiac arrest, you know, so. Um, and re reading into this a little bit, I really admired the fact that she was a a voice for for people struggling with suicidal thoughts and depression because uh, she had a son who was 27 years old that took his life. And so she kind of became a an advocate for depression and and just health. kind of those those dark paths, you know, people can kind of fall down into and stuff. So just sad, sad news all around. 54 years old. It's just just it's not right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let's go on to um, we both have say what? Say what? 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 What, what the hell? So uh, mine is mine is a little shocking, even to me. Uh, sort of even thinking about it um i'll tell I'll, I'll 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 tell you mine and then you can tell us yours sure uh, i just had this um phone conversation with former assembly member adri nazarian who uh, you know it was a very disappointing phone calls i'll be honest and uh, we discussed a lot of things uh, i was disappointed that he put politics before human rights and the lives of people and wouldn't sign a letter that was circulated to uh, elected officials and dignitaries um, and such um, to go to Mayor Bass to intervene on behalf of the Armenians of Artsakh. So Adri Nazarian was one of the people that didn't sign it, was actually only one of two people. Everyone else that was sent the letter signed it. But this is the interesting part. So we, as we were talking, uh, conversation went to uh, the fact that about four years ago, this organization I used to belong to awarded several city council members in the greater SoCal area for being an advocate for the LGBTQ community. <laughs> and uh, so Assemblymember Nazarian, who's sort of, uh, I don't know, his uh, mentor is uh, Councilmember Paul Kerkorian. So Audrain uh, criticized this organization for picking the wrong uh, person, you know, he didn't like one of the people that was awarded. I disagree with them. But anyways, he was telling me, and this is the say what part, he was telling me that the organization should have picked council member uh, Kerkorian for this award that's given to someone who's, you know, had a substantial uh, contribution for the LGBTQ community. And I was really shocked because uh, I've, <laughs> I've known pretty much nothing about any contribution that uh, Paul Kerkorian has made or, or being an ally to the LGBT community. 
Uh, and I and I put Adrian Nazarian on the spot and I said, well, tell me what has he done that I'm not aware of? And he said, oh, in the like 20 plus years ago, there was a bill that was going through California that was kind of a homophobic bill. And I know what he's talking about. Paul Kerkorian uh, didn't support it. And I said, okay, well, that was the right thing to do. I mean, a lot of Democrats didn't support it if a homophobic bill, but that's like 20 years ago. And that's really nothing substantial to get an award for. <laughs> I mean, they're, you know, they're non-LGBTQ elected officials that have been lifelong allies of ours, like Governor Newsom, for example, you know, so to give someone an award because 20 plus years ago, he didn't support a uh, just a horribly homophobic bill. It was basically kind of like um, marriages between a man and a woman thing. And then I said, I said, has Paul Kakorian ever been to LA Pride? Has he ever walked LA Pride? When so many elected officials from all over SoCal come. I've walked with Congressman Schiff at LA Pride. Uh, mm -hmm. You have a police chief, sheriff, uh, everyone and anyone comes to LA Pride and shows their solidarity and support. Uh, Paul Kakorian has never done that. And as far as I know, he's done nothing to really show support for the LGBT community. So what, say what, given him award is just absurd. It was just laughable and absurd and shocking that he would even suggest that. You know, let's get blunt. Yeah, Vic, that's pretty mind-blowing. An uncomfortable conversation. Uh, you know, I forgot one part. I guess this this say what has, has two parts. The second part is, you know, and I, I gave him some examples of elected officials who've done a great deal for the LGBTQ community. Uh, and uh, And I brought an example. And then he said, well, I've done a lot, and what have I received? <laughs> uh, and what he says that, he just basically means, you know, legislation and such that he supported. And I said, well, you have uh, received the endorsement of Stonewall Democratic Club, which is the most important uh, political advocacy organization for the LGBTQ people, and you've received the LGBTQ vote while you were in assembly. So I don't understand what more the LGBT community can do or give you, you know, it's just, and, and if he's talking about the award that we gave four years ago, that was for uh, council members. It wasn't for assembly or state Senate or anything else, but you know, the double standard is really um, so absurd that someone can just do their job and support legislation. That's the right thing to do or not support that those that are hateful uh, and yet think that they deserve some sort of an award or an incentive or something like that. And that double standard is really applied to, I, I feel like sometimes a minority groups, whether it's for the queer community or women or uh, ethnic groups that somehow just doing the right thing warrants some sort of a extra recognition or an award for it. So just the whole, the whole conversation was just uh, really uh, absurd. So but well, let's move on to yours. I want to hear your say what? Yeah, well, on a not a lighter note, but I'll be real quick about this. There is a video going around. I uh, guess you can call it a viral video. A gallery owner up in San Francisco was filmed spraying with his hose an unhoused woman who was just kind of camped out 
in front of his business. And I just got to say, this guy should be very ashamed of himself. Uh, I wish I had some sound to play for you uh, for this video, but I'll just paint the mental picture for you. Uh, this guy is literally leaning back on the railing in front of his gallery, has the hose, and he is spraying this helpless woman who is screaming and basically just kind of chilling out, not bothering anyone from the looks of it. And this guy just has no care in the world. And in terms of streams coming out of hoses, you know, this isn't a light spray. Uh, this is a very violent spray. I mean, we're talking a trajectory that looks like has a, a lot of force behind it. So I just got to call this man out and he should be very ashamed of himself. Yeah, I saw that video too. It's very unfortunate that uh, compassion, where has compassion gone? And that we would we would do that. By the way, the other person, I should just add this, the other person who didn't sign the letter a letter that would save lives, uh, you know, 120,000 people who are uh, essentially held hostage without food, medicine, uh, electricity, and their lives are at risk. The other uh, elected official who received a great deal of support from the Armenian community, um, and she seeked it when she was running for LA County Board of Supervisors, uh, is Lindsay Harvath, a former West Hollywood council member. Uh, she too didn't sign it for uh, absurd political reasons. Wow. Uh, and it's really disappointing. So yes, uh, compassion is not that commonplace. Politics and money, commerce, political ambition, they trump a lot of things. Yeah, there you have it. Let's get blunt. Shows, you know, people run for office. They, uh, they say all the right things and do the right things to get uh, a community support. And then once they get to the place that they are, you know, they're done. They dispose and they ignore. So yes, it's it's very unfortunate. All right, coming up is my interview with Assemblymember Chris Holden, uh, whose district includes most of the San Gabriel Valley. But before we do that, let's take a break. You're listening to Pacifica Radio's KPFK 90.7 FM Los Angeles, 98.7 Santa Barbara, 93.7 San Diego County, and globally at kpfk.org. This is DJ Boxy D from the Butcher Hour of Power. With the car business down right now, you might think that we don't need your donation. However, the market for donated vehicles is very strong. Please donate your old car, truck, RV, or motorcycle. Contact us at 877-KPFK-AUTO or donate online at kpfk.org. We'll take care of everything and you'll help support quality programming you hear on KPFK. Just call 877-KPFK-AUTO or donate online at kpfk.org. The Blunt Post with Vic. Assemblymember Chris Holden brings to the legislature a lifetime experience in public service and business garnered during his many years in the Pasadena City Council and the Burbank-Glendale-Pasadena Airport Authority. He was first elected to the California State Assembly in 2012 and was overwhelmingly re-elected in 2014, 2016, 2018, and 2020 from a district that includes the cities of Pasadena, Altadena, and La Cunada Flintridge. Good morning. How are you? 
I'm good. How are you? Not bad. Sorry, I'm a little. Yeah, it's great to talk to you as well. I will never pretend that I know what elected officials go through on a daily basis, but I'm so, I'm pretty familiar, and I don't <laughs> envy you. Oh, uh, you know, Dr. King said that you know all of us in one form or fashion can serve, and we all have different ways of doing that and expressing. Our, our recognition of community and what that means. And much like being a teacher, that's not what I was called to do. I couldn't be a lawyer, a doctor, but I do feel that this uh, ability to be in public service and be elected to take uh, accountability for finding solutions to issues and concerns that people have, that's what I seem to feel like I have God's gift to, to do. So thank you for yeah. that. No. And Dr. King. Yeah, right. Exactly. Whom, yeah. I, whom I quote uh, frequently. One of my favorite ones is in the end, it's not our end. I'm paraphrasing, but it's yeah. not our uh, enemies that we remember. It's our friends who were silent. Basically, people who just stood around and did nothing uh, yep. while we were victimized. Absolutely. I, also, I love his, uh, I love his quotes about, um, Neutral, being neutral, mm -hmm. no such mm -hmm. thing. You know, mm -hmm. standing around and claiming to be neutral when the oppressed are abused. That's exactly right. And his birthday and it's, it's, is here, so yeah, I know. So it's kind of fitting to kind of start the morning with uh, that type of a tribute. Uh, I can't remember anyone else in history that, when their birthday or just in remembering their accomplishments, that they've left so many notable expressions about circumstances and situations that we're seemingly continuing to go through and find ourselves up against from one generation to the next and and for them to continue yeah. to have meaning and depth i think it's it's an amazing life that he led and a legacy he's left and yeah. worthy of worthy of recognition yeah because they're universal and they're timeless Without a doubt. Yeah. He, one of his quotes is in my documentary film that I produced last year. Mm -hmm. um, it's in eight chapters. So each chapter has a quote. One of them is from Dr. King. Um, but thank you for, for uh, you know, doing the show. I know how busy you are and uh, grateful. My um, pleasure. It, uh, it seems like every, you know, every four years we say this, which is, um, oh, this is the most important election of our lifetime, right? It's just been right. on, I think, ever since I remember. Yep. Um, but I think that this last November's election for the greater Los Angeles area was truly uh, a very important landmark election Yes, uh, that just happened for us, at least in SoCal. What's your perspective on the outcome? And what's your perspective on where we are, the state of our uh, nation, state, and uh, our city? Well, I think it, I think that clearly uh, we are at an inflection point because of the issues and societal ills that continue to exist, um, homelessness, the disparity in education and access to quality education, healthcare uh, in the same regard. And I think what we we're 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 recognizing is that the the people who are on the margins are hurting even more. And as we continue to try to address these issues, the, we're looking for creative leadership, but also trusted leadership. And I know that for the mayor's race in Los Angeles, 
uh, was extremely consequential uh, because you had someone who, uh, two distinctive people and, and personalities and backgrounds, um, and one was a, a lifetime of committed service to, to the people by being elected, as we kind of chatted about, and being a policy seeker uh, for solutions that kind of meet a system of governance that needs to work better and more effectively uh, to meet the needs of the people. And then someone from the private sector uh, who uses their resources, their time and talent uh, to try to create and build. Uh, and I think in this environment, there was such a, uh, a need to have clarity of what leadership was going to look like to address some of these most profound issues in front of uh, not only the city, but the county of LA, but not just the county, the state of California and beyond, because good ideas seem to get nurtured here and are then picked up in other parts uh, of the country and quite frankly, around the world. Indeed. So California, California is a, an exceptional place to and talent to try to embrace the challenging issues uh, that we face, uh, the technological issues, the the, the divide between those who have access to internet and those who do not. And it goes across the board where we see these uh, disparities. So having someone like Karen Bass, who brings uh, tremendous expertise in governance, uh, temperament that I think fits the moment as well, a person's character and, and how they interact, the, the kind of heart they have for service that they can show kindness uh, where appropriate and show strength and perseverance where necessary as well. Uh, so I think that she's the right person for the right time. Uh, and then when you look at sort of the statewide contests, uh, the communities of, that needed to turn out for certain elections that were uh, really critical and seats that needed to be held on to uh, for Congress, as an example, the turnout wasn't where it needed to be. And, and so I think that there's still a degree of frustration that sort of bleeds out in some people's thinking that, well, my vote doesn't matter. But I've seen across the county and across the nation so many contests that were decided by tens of votes, if not hundreds of votes. And so it is a reminder that every vote does matter. And if you don't show up at the polls, then you really can't complain about what happens on the other side. So that is our civic duty. And, uh, but I am optimistic that, um, that we'll continue to see California be on the cutting edge of technology and innovation and uh, look forward to us being able to collaborate at all levels of government, nonprofits and, and community at large uh, to embrace some of these very important issues before us. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening to my interview with Assemblymember Chris Holden. I'm glad you brought up uh, Bear Bass, formerly Congresswoman Bass, whom I've interviewed. She, when she was campaigning, she was very strong on uh, the unhoused to do something substantial for the uh, homeless crisis, if you will. And she has. She has sort of uh, started very aggressively to address it. Um, District 41, as all other districts, are not immune to uh, to this. Uh, you two have, uh, you know, challenges with the unhoused. As far as your own initiatives and uh, 
plans to address the homelessness issue. Are they in line with uh, Mayor Bass? And what do you think about um, just the whole plan that's already been laid out and being operated? Yeah, no, I think that Mayor Bass is doing a couple of things very important right from the beginning. She's showing leadership by saying, not just in a campaign, but just in terms of how she's going to lead, that this is, that homelessness and, and addressing the issues of the unhoused is top priority. So declaring a state of emergency, uh, I think was a very important first step because it draws attention uh, to the issue. It causes the internal operations of city government to start to find out ways of how they can strategize and put their plans together internally uh, to respond to the issues, come up with strategic plans within short periods of time that can be implemented by the city council. So I think that that's really important to reach out and to establish a partnership with the state uh, and with county government, I think it's also very much a part of her, her approach. Uh, clearly, uh, one of the things that I think we were able to do that was consequential last year uh, was passing the care court legislation, because I think that although it still needs a lot of work, uh, because I, I am uh, concerned that we put forth something that uh, cities and counties can properly implement, I do believe that it was a, an important step to show how collaboration and how bringing together different agencies and creating a system that is more responsive to the needs of the unhoused and to make sure that we are coordinating much more effectively, uh, lining people up with the right kinds of services, meeting them where their needs are, because the homeless population is made up of all types of people who are there for all kinds of reasons. And so the more that we can coordinate services for mental health and to recognize that we have a growing number of young people who are on the streets that need a certain type of support, we have to also can't take our eye off the ball that the coordination around getting housing and production of housing built is going to be essential, uh, streamlining processes so that that can happen in a short period of time instead of a long bureaucratic period of time. Uh, these are all parts of the equation. I was told yesterday that one of our major challenges is that we didn't get here overnight, and so we won't get out of this crisis uh, overnight. Yes. So to some degree, understanding that dynamic, but also putting the energy and commitment and priority behind how we fund homeless services and the resources that are interwoven into those variety of services, how we coordinate our personnel what the role of law enforcement is versus the social worker community in terms of first line res response. I think that's all very critical. So there's a really quite a, a holistic approach that needs to be employed and commitment of resources that um, will be very, very significant is gonna be what's needed. Yeah, and you, you, know, you, you touched on it when you said that we didn't get here overnight. I think most Americans realize that you know, homelessness, whether it's we're talking about city of L.A., L.A. County, SoCal, or even just California, it's really not um, a problem for whatever region we're talking about. It's an it's a nationwide problem. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's, it's sort of its genesis, if you will, is the disintegration of middle class uh, inequality in uh, in pay and living wage. You know, mm -hmm. there's so many different reasons we just in California, I think. For, for obvious reasons, we just happen to have about 50% of the nation's homeless. Mm -hmm. um, 
but it's, you know, elected officials don't have some magic wand um, to just sort of make it go away within a month or a year. And I'm glad that Mayor Bass recently said, this is going to take a few years. So yeah. Yeah. You know, don't expect mir- miraculous change, you know, in 2024. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, last year, you've had many big successes and achievements um, with your with your bills and, and your uh, agenda, such as the, the Fast Recovery Act that was uh, signed by uh, Governor Newsom. You know, you've also had AB uh, 979, which is mm-hmm. which basically uh, it mandates that corporate boards. Uh, it's kind of a it's a social justice legislation, if you will. Correct. correct? Um, yes. They just make sure that that corporate boards uh, have diversity and all of that. This is even more of a personal curiosity. Is it hard to uh, monitor that and to make sure that it's done and and that these boards are not just sort of making it look like they're they're complying? Yes, there is. Uh, what's built into the bill is oversight by the Secretary of State, which requires a report that comes to her office that gives them an opportunity to track the progress in terms of corporate corporations that are looking to fulfill the the mandates of the bill there are built into the bill penalties for non-compliance what we have uh, attempted to do since the bill was signed into law was look at how and this actually mirrors a bill that Hannah Beth Jackson Senator Jackson put forward a year prior to uh, encourage, not just encourage, but to uh, lay out a blueprint on how corporate boards would see more women appointed to uh, those boards. And so I think that recognizing that that's an important first step, but also cultural and ethnic diversity on the boards is sorely uh, lacking. And uh, these are essentially boards that are very powerful, uh, make important decisions that uh, impact the the way of life of of all citizens, uh, and quite frankly, uh, set an important standard of how these corporations interact with communities to meet them where they are. Many times, there is lack of understanding, lack of uh, inclusiveness, uh, and I think that this was a bill to say you need to have people on your board who can help educate your board. And diversity, actually, studies have shown, increase the bottom line. So if you're all about making money, then you should have a very diverse uh, board so that you're making sure that you're reaching communities that are very economically viable, but uh, are not being uh, uh, connected to in an appropriate way. And as we've seen, even on the national front, uh, with the uh, with pro sports during the uh, the height of the pandemic, uh, when the professional players and others got involved and started to say, look, you know, uh, there's got to be change and we're going to use our power to help influence that. So they actually uh, put in place, I think, a, a movement within professional sports, I think basketball primarily, that this is, a, we need to focus on what's happening out in society. And we're seeing a lot of African-American men who are being uh, abused or rights in, infringed upon from uh, moment to moment through interaction with law enforcement and George Floyd, which was such a, a traumatic event that took place that even, that all, uh, and when I say all, even law enforcement, I believe, uh, recognized that that was a 
inflection point that needed to be recognized that we need to move in a different direction. But corporations have ha have a tremendous amount of power. And to be able to have the diversity reflective of not only this state, because this is a majority minority state, which is the direction the country is going to hit by 2040, 2045. So recognizing that the NASDAQ has followed uh, the, the, the guiding principles of this legislation, 979, and has made that the, the directive that all of their corporations that participate in the NASDAQ would follow, uh, I think is how already had its influ influence and impact. Uh, it's That's under, thing. Yeah. It, it is very cool. It's under litigation now. So uh, those who did not want to see it happen, obviously have taken the courts route to try to uh, unravel it, but we're going to continue to press happens. forward. As what usually happens, no doubt. Yeah, thank you for that. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening to my interview with Assemblymember Chris Holden. Sports has been so slow in change and really reflecting the actual teams. It's just right. not fathomable sometimes when you start to concentrate on certain industries and you're just like, really? This is, wow, this yeah. is the makeup of, of this league. Uh, I won't mention the leagues. Um, yeah. Thank you for that. Talking about diversity, uh, you've been in the assembly for about 10 years now. Um, mm -hmm. You were a council member for the city of Pasadena. You're definitely more than familiar with the Armenian community. I'm an Armenian yes. American. Yeah. And uh, as you know, uh, we are sort of going through it, <laughs> to put yes. it uh, in, in uh, common terms, with yeah. uh, with the 2020 attack on Artsakh and then the ongoing blockade of Artsakh, where 120,000 yeah. Armenians are are basically being deprived of food and medicine and electricity and such. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you've been very supportive of the community. Just want to hear your take and where do you stand uh, in terms of the the uh, people of Artsakh uh, and what's happening now? Well, it truly. Uh, hurts my heart that we find that in this day and age that atrocities and genocides continue. There may be powers that be that do not want to call it that, but that's exactly what it reflects and what it is. And when you have such a dramatic, continuous assault on human rights right in front of the world population to see, uh, there needs to be a stronger action. Uh, I know here in California, uh, myself, uh, working with Adrian Nazarin when he was a member of the, the legislature to, uh, to say to the state of California, this is such an important issue. We need to use the power of our state to, to intervene. Uh, and so we put forth legislation to uh, call for divestment of all resources through PERS and STIRS that find its way into the Republic of Turkey. We also... Uh, have taken uh, extraordinary uh, steps to make sure that we are building relationships, uh, that we are standing firm and will make very important statements such as now, but use again the the connection of the 1.5 million Armenians in California and give them voice through their state uh, to build a relationship with, uh, in this case, uh, Sunik, uh, the region that we could, the that we can show that by establishing a sister state relationship, and we have done this officially as the state of California through a resolution I put forward um, last year that was acted on by the Senate in concurrence with the 
uh, established by the Assembly in concurrence with the Senate to establish a sister state relationship with uh, with the province of Sunak. And we will do more because I think by doing that, we're saying we want to also invest. We want to make sure that we're connecting on uh, a cultural level, on an educational level, um, on an economic level, so that we can help establish ties and investment of resources uh, and a people-to-people approach. I think it's very important uh, to establish that, but it's also important that we continue to make our voice uh, known and heard uh, with the powers that be in Washington, D.C., that, and then, of course, world leaders to condemn the blockade and not only condemn it, but to take action uh, that would look to put pressure on those that would continue to seek to eliminate from the homeland of Armenians a culture that has existed for thousands of years and to try to make it go away like it never existed at all is a crime to humanity and one we stand firmly with the Armenian people to make sure that our voices continue to be heard. It's a, it's a continuous human rights violation that we need to, as a world community, uh, intervene in a more aggressive way on. Wow. Truly, thank you for that. As you were speaking, I was uh, just sort of doing a bullet point of all the, all the incredible points that you touched on. Thanks for calling it what it is. Thanks for not shying away from terms that uh, some would like to um, deny. Right. Uh, and I, I like that you said we need to do something, not just to condemn, because right. it's not working. You know, con- right. condemnations and, and all of this are not working. I like your legislation with Sunik, uh, the sister state. Yeah, truly, thank you for your support. That's really important. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening to my interview with Assemblymember Chris Holden. I know you're pressed for time, so I just have one more question. I, I want to sure. know, uh, we know you've had a great year behind you. Uh, what can we expect from you in 2023 in your, in your district? Uh, and beyond. Well, I, I thank you for that. Yeah, no, we're we're very excited about our bill package for this year. Um, we're going to be looking at issues that continue to address the issue of education and expanding on our dual enrollment efforts to create greater access for high school students to have to college level courses while in high school, uh, positioning them whether they are looking to extend their high their college career uh, for a four year degree or whether they're looking to expand a trade or, or, or the ability to enter the job market after high school and be in a position to have a skill set and a trade to be able to go right into the workforce. So that's legislation that we're continuing to, uh, to expand on. Uh, we've certainly had great success in, in our transportation efforts and getting the resources necessary to complete the gold line uh, out to uh, Montclair and hopefully into the future connect to the to the uh, Ontario airport. We have uh, monies that we've directed to Metro to study expanding the gold line to the Burbank airport. Uh, so it becomes an intermodal connection between communities. And I think that's uh, in airports, which I think that's uh, very important. And so we're going to continue, I think, to do the things that we think are going to be important to address economic development, try to address the issue of increasing affordable housing construction. Uh, we have a couple of initiatives to do to look at that. And then, you know, I term out in uh, 2024 and I've, 
I, I continue to enjoy and continue to feel like I have a lot of ideas and, and um, constructive thoughts and programs that I think can be uh, integrated. And having served for 24 years on the Pasadena City Council and as mayor and uh, having served for 20 years at the Burbank Airport as uh, a commissioner and president, and now in what will be 12 years in the legislature, I think all of that I can bring together to maybe make a big difference at the county level. Uh, so uh, we're planning to uh, run for County Board of Supervisors in 24. Uh, we're very excited about what that represents and how I think we can make a, uh, a strong and meaningful difference because we've covered so many of these important issues. And I think I would bring a fresh, uh, progressive view uh, to the issues and as it affects the the San Gabriel Valley and the and and points beyond. So um, I I'm looking forward to that. I'd uh, love to come back at a later date to maybe chat a little bit more about Absolutely. it. But uh, right now we're 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 focused on uh, making sure that we can uh, have the best legislative session uh, operating on a deficit this year, unlike other years. But nonetheless, address that issue, but make sure our safety net is is strong and sturdy and in place and that we can actually build on it, not just keep it in place, but build on the things that we talked about today, because it's going to need that kind of intentionality uh, to really see uh, a change happen. Wow, fantastic. Uh, I look forward to hearing and seeing it. Um, thank you, uh, Assemblymember Holden, for uh, being on the show. Uh, thank you. Please come back again. I thank will. Thank you for everything that you do. All right. God bless. Have a great and happy new year. Happy new year to you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, that was my interview with assembly member, Chris Holden. Uh, thank you, uh, assembly member for your time, uh, for sharing, uh, your successes and your future plans. Uh, much, much, uh, appreciate it. Please come back and, uh, let's chat again. Before we go, I'd like to thank my producer, Ricky Herrera, without whom this show would not be possible, and KPFK, the station that brings you unfiltered and commercial-free news, opinion, and hopefully some inspiration. Thank you for joining me today on The Blunt Post with Vic. For more information, please visit thebluntpost.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Vic Jarami, at V-I-C. G-E-R-A-M-I. Thank you. The Blunt Post with Vic.